Welcome to Chamber Chats, the Halifax Chamber's new podcast where we check in with the local business community, ask government the tough questions, and find ways to save your business money. For the foreseeable future, we're focusing on COVID-19 and the economic impact we're facing, along with available resources and tales of resiliency. Coming to you from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Halifax Chamber's Chamber Chats podcast. I'm Patrick Sullivan, President and CEO of the Halifax Chamber of Commerce and your host for today. Chamber Chats is a new way to engage with our members and to keep them up to date on the important things happening in the city of Halifax. And today we're hearing from a small business owner in the heart of downtown Halifax, Heather Rankin of Obladi Wine Bar. Heather Rankin is a CAPS certified sommelier and co-owner and founder of the award-winning Obladi, a wine bar in Halifax. She's a wine and spirits educator, writer, and judge, a frequent speaker on wine and hospitality, and, well, I didn't know this, a national cheese judge. Obladi was also a finalist for the Small Business of the Year at the 2019 Halifax Business Awards. Welcome, Heather, and thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, this is great. So I'm I'm curious now, so uh, what is a CAPS Certified Sommelier? Uh, Yeah, the CAPS actually stands for the Canadian Association of Professional Sommeliers, uh, and we have an Atlantic chapter out here. So um, it's an organization of professional sommeliers, meaning um, we're sommeliers that actually work uh, on the floor, um, building wine lists, serving guests, maintaining cellars, things like that. There are other types of sommeliers out there, but a professional sommelier is one that actually works in, in restaurants. Okay. And, and uh, is there another acronym for national cheese judge? Uh, there isn't. I think they're working on getting cheese sommelier approved, um, but I'm not sure how that's going. <laughs> well, I, I, it certainly sounds great. I, I feel I, I have less chance of being a wine sommelier, but more of a chance of being a cheese sommelier. So uh, <laughs> we, can, we can talk about that as we go on. So Obladi has been such a such a success over the years. Um, how, how long has Obladi been open? We will be ten years old in October. Oh, really? Well, I, I love going into Obladi and sitting near the front window. Uh, yes. And, uh, and watching people go by. Um, I do have to get there early to get that, that preferred seat. Um, t- tell us about Obladi and how, uh, how it got started. Uh, yeah, I was, um, I guess it was around 2008. I was uh, living in London, the UK at the time, was working in software and I was working at the BBC. And I had been working in that field in big cities uh, for a long time. And I was kind of keen to get back to Nova Scotia and maybe consider a career change. Um, And one spring, um, Christian, my brother and business partner, co-founder of Obladi, he came out to London to visit. And we did a little weekend trip. To Rome, and uh, over dinner one night, I 
told him this idea I had of maybe moving back to Halifax, getting out of the big city rat race and changing up my career a little and opening a little wine bar in Halifax. And it had been some time since I had been back to Halifax living here uh, and wasn't really sure if it would work. I wanted to get his thoughts. And Christian, uh, who at the time was living in Calgary, was also looking for, um, I guess, a reason to come back uh, to the East Coast again. And he said if I wanted to do something like this, a little wine bar in Halifax, that he would do it with me. So that's kind of how it got started, just a conversation over dinner one night. Oh, that sounds great. In fact, one of my favorite wine bars is in London. It's Gordon. Gordon? I know Gordon's very well. And I, when we um, made the decision to do Obladi, I uh, met with Gerard a number of times, uh, the um, manager there at Gordon's, and he let me do a little apprenticeship there uh, for a few months. So I, I got his sort of takes on, on lots of stuff about the industry um, before it actually came to Halifax to open Obladi. So yeah, it's a great spot. It is a great spot. Um, my uh, my son and daughter-in-law uh, live in London. Uh, oh, amazing. So whenever we go, uh, we always go to Gordon's Wine Bar. But I must say, it's been my wife and my son and myself and my daughter-in-law is very jealous that she's not go with us yet. So uh, next time we get over there. Oh, yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, you know, it's been a, a difficult time, I suspect, for, uh, for restaurants. Um, tell us about you know, what you were thinking? I mean, when did you think that restaurants would be closed or did you just hear the news when it was announced or did you see what was happening with the pandemic? What happened? Um, I think at that time, it, it, things were moving very quickly and almost hourly. So we would, this was sort of the end of, um, goodness, this was, I didn't check the dates before I came on to chat with you, but I think it was, we were talking like mid-March and we were watching it really carefully as the um, virus was approaching this part of the world. And we were meeting with the staff pretty regularly. um, And we were just feeling the intensity, the heat of the situation a little bit more almost every hour. And we were tweaking our processes and the way we did things at Obladi to move with that. Um, And I think we had made a number of of changes uh, to put in place uh, for the, say, the upcoming weekend. And then within a couple of hours, we made the decision, okay, we're not actually even going to open, we're going to close. And then we decided, okay, this isn't uh, a temporary thing. So we decided we were going to close closed down for a, a longer period. And then we got the government mandate that we had to close. Uh, and we had already been closed at that time. So it's hard, it's hard to go back there mentally and, and kind of recall exactly what we did and when we did it. But um, I, I remember it being um, happening really, really fast. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it was the same way for us at the chamber. I mean, on the, on the Thursday, we actually had a board meeting on the Thursday and I, I don't know that was let's say the 14th or 15th or something uh and we really didn't talk about COVID at all um and then by friday afternoon so that was thursday morning and by friday afternoon we were canceling all our events for for the next three months uh so it was it was an astounding change you know in a really, really short period of time but you you guys quickly pivoted so you 
although you were closed, what made you think, well, we should probably try to reopen in some form uh, for delivery and, and do something that was different? I think it was when they, when we got approval to sell alcohol to go that we moved on an official idea. We were kind of throwing around some things before that time, but when they let us sell, say wine out the door, that changed everything. So that was, that was a key detail for us. Um, and so from there, we, um, we wanted, we knew we could execute something, but we needed to keep it really simple because we had a reduced number of staff um, that were available to us and also to keep things safe. Um, the processes couldn't be too, too complex, requiring a lot of bodies, a lot of movements, things like that. So the idea had to be really simple. And then we also knew that people were off work and everyone's um, our customer base rather were off work and everyone's circumstances, financial circumstances were were very different. Um, so whatever we were going to do, we needed to keep it pretty affordable. So simple and affordable were, were really key drivers for us. And then we wanted to make sure that whatever we put out into the world um, was going to kind of communicate our values and, and sort of touch on the things that we felt people were coming to Obladi for. So um, we knew whatever we put out there needed to be of a top quality product. Um, we knew that it needed to be aesthetically pleasing. Um, there needed to be a kind of a design element there. I think that's what people like about coming to Obladi for. Um, it needed to be a little educational too, because a lot of our guests um, rely on us and our servers to educate them and inform them on the types of the wine, uh, types of wines we serve, and uh, the cheeses we serve, and, and the dishes we we create. So we wanted a little educational piece in there, and we wanted our packages and our service to communicate um, kind of a personal touch too, something that said this is from us and we're real human beings over here um and uh almost like providing that table side service but um virtually through a delivery service um so that those were kind of our our key goals and i think we were really able to pull it off because christian and i are are actually it is a small business and we're, we're quite tied to that business. So we have a very good understanding of how our business runs. We're in the business a lot. Um, so we were able to get in there and define a process ourselves and work on the process ourselves physically um, if we needed to. And that was really crucial in the beginning because I think a lot of larger businesses or maybe businesses where the owners were not as closely connected to their businesses, they were finding that transition a little harder because they, they were not able to rely on uh, the staff that they always relied on to execute on an idea. So um, we, we know how our business runs so we could get in there and get it going again. And we also have a really dedicated quality focused staff that um, we were really open with from the very beginning, uh, and I think really fair with, and we were really careful not to lean on them too much, not to ask them for too many things too quickly, 
We wanted to get out of that trap of asking them for favors. And I just, we just didn't want them to feel that chaos. So um, we, we organized work for them. We managed it for them and, and we paid them in, in, I think, an organized way. So I think all of those things combined really helped us um, pull it off and get it going. That's great. So how did you, how did you settle on sh- charcuterie? Well, charcuterie and cheese is, um, it's not something that needs cooking. Uh, so it's, that's just easier to, to, to get together. And it, it, it's pretty shelf stable. It was designed as a, a food item that, um, could stay on the shelf and stay in the fridge longer. It's a cured product. Uh, both of them are. So that idea was attractive to us. And we had a lot of connections, um, with many local producers, both here and in places like Quebec, um, that we were able to call on and, and order those products in, um, and, uh, make those a central piece of what we were offering. Oh, that's great. Now, and, and I was actually on the site today and I was filling my uh, cart um, and uh, there's kind of the two kinds of wine. You can do the base wine, if I can call it that. I'm sure it's great. And you can also do the, is it the cellar selection? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you can upgrade a little bit, I guess, as you're doing your, uh, your purchases. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. No, it looked, it looked really good. I must admit, I, I have yet to order, but now that I've got my grocery cart filled, uh, it, would be, it would be easy to do. I, Yes. Do you hope to continue to do this now that you're reopening? We are, and we plan to this weekend. So we're uh, we're going to see how that goes. We don't really we know how the uh, Obladi at home delivery goes. Obviously, when we're not uh, carrying out regular service, but this will be our first attempt at doing both. So we're interested to see how that transition um, goes between those two worlds, and see if we can maintain it going forward. Because I, I still think that there are a lot of people out there that are maybe not super comfortable yet with um, going downtown, um, or even people who are comfortable with going downtown and, and who do like to go out, but would just sort of rather have it come to their door instead, which we can completely appreciate. And, and is it home delivery and pickup? It or? is. Yeah. It is. Okay, well, that's, that's pretty efficient. Uh, so... You know, this has still been a difficult time, though. You, I suspect you're not getting the same revenue that you were getting before. Unless you are. No, okay. So you, you've obviously taken a hit. I'm sure your staff have taken a hit as well. Um, were you able to take advantage of any of the funding programs that are uh, that were available or still are available? Yes. Um, the wage subsidy, of course, has been very helpful uh, for us. Um, and we've taken advantage of some of the provincial grants, uh, the CBA, the Canadian emergency business account. Uh, we've, uh, taken advantage of that as well. Oh, that's great. It sounds like, that's great. It sounds like, you know, them all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think for many small businesses, the idea of a grant as opposed to additional debt is, is really appealing. Definitely. No, so the uh, you probably got the notification last week about the uh, the new provincial grant, the reopening. Yes, I hope you did. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, we're on it. Are you on it? Good. Okay, and and I think they're actually distributing some of the money now. Yes, they I think told you're right. me they were. Yeah, so that again, that continues to be uh, continues to be good. Did you did you lose much inventory? I mean, obviously the wine would keep. 
Uh, but did you lose much food inventory when you actually closed out? Not too much. We uh, we are small, and we do the way we operate. We tend to operate anyway. Is we we tend to offer small amounts or order rather small amounts uh, frequently, and that's just due to the nature of kind of local ordering and working with local farmers and suppliers. You tend to do your shopping um, weekly. And it's, it creates a little bit more work for um, the kitchen staff and for our chef because they're constantly sort of calling this guy for fish and this person for herbs and this person for cheese and something else. But I think at the end of the day, you end up with um, a better product, uh, working with specialized suppliers for everything. Um, and then, again, we're just we're ordering small amounts frequently, so um, everything is, is really fresh and um, for that reason, we, we didn't have a huge stockpile when we were um, asked to close. So when this all happened again, and get back to that again, and you started with the charcuterie and you said, how are we going to get the news out there? Do you have a mailing list or was it social media? What did you do to, to let people know uh, about the new offer? Yeah, it was mainly uh, social media. Wow. Uh, it's, yeah, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And, and it, you were... Uh, full on as soon as you started to get the news out? Yeah, definitely. I think um, what social media told us is that it was really interesting. I think that many of our customers are actually not on social media. And um, I think what it did was help us get our initial message out there uh, to our, I guess what you call early adopters. And then that message kind of takes on a life of its own via word of mouth and gifts. And um, I, I always, I kind of find that social media is like a little spark. It, it gets things off the ground and then the rest is sort of up to your product or your service and how that resonates with people in the real world. Um, like a like doesn't equal a sale, I guess, but it's, it's helpful to, you know, get the word out initially. Right. Oh, absolutely. I think you're right. And, you know, we've, we've experienced the same thing. It, it's great to have people talk about our posts, but, but we'd love to see them actually transact, if you will, something yes. um, as, they, uh, as they go down the, down, the, down the road. So this has been going on for a while, though. You, you know, I think the province opened up on the, uh, the sale of alcohol or delivery of alcohol uh, from restaurants um, fairly early in the process. So it, it, you've probably been doing this for, you know, almost two months now, I would guess. Yes. Have you? Yeah. About nine weeks or something. <laughs> really? Oh, okay. And, and how's it going? I mean, as an entrepreneur, have you been able to take care of yourself during this stressful time? Uh, or? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not in the traditional sense of like bubble baths or face masks or, any, or <laughs> anything like that. Um our face masks, I meant in the sense of like a restorative face mask and um, doing my nails and taking naps and stuff like that. I think I tend to, and I think I'm a, a lot like a lot of other entrepreneurs where um, I tend to take care of myself by thinking about what makes a balanced life for me and what types of things make me as a business owner panic and working to prevent the onset of that panic. So I think for me, my, my home life, uh, my family and my work life, they, they need to be organized. So, 
if my daughter is uh, sat in front of an iPad on a beautiful day while I sit at my computer and work, I, I get uncomfortable with that scenario. So, you know, I say to myself, how do I, how do I make sure that, um, you know, we're outside every day for three hours and she's seeing a friend at a distant, um, maybe we go for a bike ride and then I can schedule that time and then still have time to get my work done. Maybe when she's resting or having dinner or something like that. And by the same token, if my staff are overworked or if they're stressed or there's things that are, um, if there's chaos uh, at work, you know, a glass of wine and a, a nap for me is, is not really going to help with that. So I, I spent a lot of time getting my staff and my workplace organized um, and taken care of so that I can focus on my family and the staff can relax knowing that someone's looking after them. So I, that's sort of how I take care of myself is by taking care of other people and, you know, making sure that I'm not adding to, to anyone else's problems and by extension, my own. Um, and then physical exercise is really important for me. I'm a very active person and I'm an avid swimmer. I'm really looking forward to the, uh, pools getting back open again. So moving, getting outside, uh, in any, in any capacity, I think, uh, is, is really key. And it, it's been great for me. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. I'm, I'm trying to be a triathlete, although the last three months, well, the last three months have, have kind of destroyed that thought for this year. Uh, but uh, swimming is my weakness. So uh, I will have to stop by, have a glass of wine. and maybe Absolutely. Get a my, uh, my partner is a, an ex-professional triathlete. He uh, competed for, the, for Canada. So I'll have to get him to come down and join us too. And I'm sure he can sh- share a few tips. Oh, that would be great. Okay. That would be very helpful. I do have a race planned with three other okay. people in July. So, uh, so any tips I can get would be very helpful. I've now started to ride my bike to work uh, to get, uh, get that covered. Um, so back to COVID though, and you mentioned family, uh, Christian, uh, are still running the restaurant. Um, are there advantages, disadvantages to a family owned business? How has that, how's that been going? Yeah, I think I don't have heard the phrase, like your strengths are also your weakness. Uh, but I think it kind of applies here with, with family business because there, there's a definite strength there that goes along with a family business. There's that kind of built-in trust and loyalty with family, which I think is essential for any any relationship, any partnership really, but especially for business. Um, but sometimes that like built-in support and that built-in um, trust, or it means that you don't have to kind of work as hard at being, um, I guess, as professional as you might be with non-family staff. So uh, that said, I think Christian and I are, are really lucky in that we very much share a common outlook and we have the same values. So we're never really arguing on what's important to the business. Um, and his skills and strengths happen to be really complementary to my own. And I think that's really key too. So I tend to be more the creative people, uh, product, uh, hospitality side of things. And he tends to be more quantitative, uh, more numbers oriented. Um, and he's also, you know, pretty handy <laughs> around the bar. So if something breaks, he's really good at that. So I think we, um, we're able to mix things up, uh, really well. Oh, that's great. Well, especially as you head to reopening. So we, we, we released our reopening toolkit, um, from the chamber to help businesses, uh, and now the province has released uh, several plans 
what do your reopening plans look like over the next uh, next few days? Yeah, well, we have a really detailed plan. Um, if anybody who knows me or works for me knows, I'm all about uh, planning and documentation and that. So that's that's all pretty tight, and it's it's featured and focused obviously around uh, cleaning and sanitation. Uh, health and hygiene and social distancing. We've also rolled our hours back and slightly reduced staff. So um, we have a fairly exhaustive plan in place for that. And at this point, it's just a matter of getting the staff used to that new way of working um, and making sure they're clear on all of those points when they serve their first customer on Friday. So We've got a staff meeting in a couple of hours just to review that whole process. Um, but it's everything from uh, conducting sort of in-service cleaning schedules on the hour to installing uh, touchless hand sanitizers at the entrance and to the entrance of back bathrooms, um, floor decals to kind of remind people where they need to be standing and how far apart they need to be from one another, um, all, all sorts of internal sort of changes about how many people are working at once to how many people can be in one area at once. Well, I mean, we could go on and on, but it, it's, uh, it's pretty comprehensive. We pe- feel pretty good about it. And uh, we think it's going to keep everyone, staff and guests alike, uh, really safe. And, and will your staff be wearing masks as they're serving customers? They definitely will. Uh, we just put a... Uh, set of safety measures on our website. There's a a COVID-19 link on the homepage and that lists kind of the short um, Cole's note versions of what we'll be doing in the bar from a a customer's perspective. And uh, yes, we will be wearing uh, safety masks. We've posted that recently today, this morning rather, on our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook account too. So people can see um, the types of things that we're doing and they can also reach out to us uh, by email if they had any specific questions or concerns that they didn't feel were addressed in um, our little uh, release today. So you are a relatively small location. How many seats will you be down or, or how many seats are you, how, how are you dividing people up um, as they come in? Well, we've, it's pretty much, we've, our capacity has been uh, cut in half, so we could really only house maybe 32 people altogether um, in our space. So that leaves us, um, I haven't physically counted the tables, but they're, um, it's, it's significant. I think when you first get the directive, you're thinking, oh, okay, I'll just take this table out and that table out, we'll space everybody out. But it, it actually is a, it, it makes a huge difference to keep everybody at uh, six feet apart. So we have no bar seating, for example, and the bar is a really central piece to Obladi. People really enjoy coming in to sit at the bar, especially Obladi is very friendly to people coming in on their own. Um, we get a lot of people just coming in by themselves to sit at the bar, read a book, chat to the bartender, um, and we won't have that uh, anytime soon. So we, we'll still have our little window seats that you like so much, but they won't be uh, open to big groups anymore. Uh, we'll have our two little barrow tables. Uh, we can have two groups of four at our long communal table. So we're, we're down uh, to about half of everything. 
Right. And sorry, you mentioned extending hours. So are you extending hours earlier as well as later or? Oh, sorry, rolling back our hours. So we will be opening, yeah, opening a little later. I think we always opened uh, at four o'clock and we'll be opening at five and we'll be closing, uh, which is a um, health code um, requirement. We'll be closing uh, at 11 o'clock PM. And I think the the directive is that all patrons need to be vacated by 11 p.m. too. So it's a little bit of a change for us doing our last call a little earlier and making sure people are are, are paid up and uh, gone by 11. But I, I guess we should encourage uh, listeners to to check your website at opend.ca um, just in case that changes because as things change, your your opening time or your closing time could change as the public health guidelines change. Absolutely. Yeah. So what, I mean, what's next for Obliti? You, you've kind of got to get through tomorrow uh, and the weekend, uh, and then you'll have a better sense of, of how this is going to work out. Um, you know, with your loss of 50% of your seats, but you're now going to have, hopefully, the, you know, the charcuterie business or the takeout business that, that you didn't probably have before. Um, how are you feeling about the future or the next few months? Yeah, I do. I think it'll largely depend on the types of things that people are looking for. So if they still would like to receive wine and cheese and charcuterie at their homes, and we can gauge that by interest and sales and things, we're going to continue to do that. Um, And then it's also going to depend on how the restrictions loosen or don't over the next few months. And we'll need to kind of... um, adapt to that as well. Um, but a, a large part of what we did at Obladi um, beyond uh, eating and, and drinking was uh, education and live music. So our tastings and our classes were really popular as were our live music evenings on Wednesday night. So we are looking at ways that we can still provide those things either by uh, offering them to smaller groups or uh, offering them virtually. Um, it, but it's really the next steps for Obladi are really going to be around adapting to the new reality and then not only adapting to it and surviving it, but hopefully thriving within that, that new world. Um, so, you know, I think we don't want to hold on to our old way of working um, too, too long. I think we need to close off the past as it were a little bit so that we can, um, so that we don't miss the new ways that we need to change and, and reshape and redefine ourselves. I think there are lots of new opportunities out there to take advantage of. I think this is an evolution of the industry a little bit too, and we need to pay attention to that movement and, and, and grow along with that. And, you know, as human beings, I, I really believe that we are meant for struggle. Like we, we are, we will get through this. We will find a way. And I, I do think that in times of chaos, like we, we do tend to find order. Um, so it can, you know, almost in an ironic way, all of this craziness can really show you what is important. What it, what are the core strengths of what you're doing and, and what, what are the not so important bits that you can kind of leave to the side. So but that's that's what we'll be doing over the next few months. Well, well, that sounds great, Heather. I mean, that's actually a very inspirational message 
to leave us with. But I do want to mention before I, I let you go, um, my son in London did a wine tasting the other night with, I think, six couples um, all online. Um, the the, um, the sommelier had arranged for it, and I don't know really how they did it, but they arranged for three bottles to be delivered to each of the homes of, I think, six couples, and then he led them through a tasting, um, and they they absolutely loved it. Um, so, yeah, no, I think I think there's real opportunities um, for the online, uh, you know, for for moving to online, and and as you said, you know, I think we've we've all picked up things along the way. I know my wife and I have enjoyed cocktails, uh, and perhaps wine. Uh, in my wife's case, it's absolutely wine. Uh, with uh, with friends who we haven't spoken to in a long time, and we've done Zoom calls for an hour or an hour and a half with people across the country um, that we haven't spoken to in months or, or in some cases years. So yes. I think you do adapt. Um, it's a change. We kind of have to adapt, but you know, it's a, it's a change. What did I miss? What else can you tell me about Obladi, and what do you want to leave our listeners with? I mean, just. Just that, really, that, it, you know, there is a lot of uh, doom and gloom out there about how, um, you know, the the pandemic is is killing the industry. And I am sort of speaking from the, a restaurant industry perspective. But I, I think that it's it's uh, it is what it is. It is a new reality. Is it, it is a new landscape. And I think it is up to us as entrepreneurs, as you know, progressive thinkers as creative people to, you know, look at what's facing us and, you know, put our heads together and figure out how we're going to thrive in this new reality. Because I don't think it's going to go back to the old way. I could be wrong, but I don't think it's going to go back to the old way anytime soon. And I think the longer we hold out to that and the longer we get upset that that's not happening, um, the the more we're going to miss uh, the opportunities that are available to us now. And I, I think it just requires us to think in different ways and redefine our business models a little bit to just suit the new way of being. Yeah. Well, well, thanks, Heather. And that, that is a very positive message, a very inspirational message. And I think one people really need to take away, which is, I think you're right. I don't think we're going to go back to the way it was. There may be elements of the way it was, but I think we're into some new things. And some of those opportunities, uh, uh, some of those new things have become real opportunities, I think, for us. So thanks for speaking to me today. Um, and hearing from you, I think, um, can help shape how we at the chamber, uh, and uh, and frankly, I hope that other businesses listen to your message, and and change some of the processes that they uh, that they have. Um, I'm keen to get down there for reopening, uh, so uh, I don't know that I'll be downtown at five tomorrow. But I can. What time do you open on Saturday? Again, five. Again, five. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I can get down there for Saturday. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll save you a seat. Okay. Perfect. Okay. I know the one I want. So thanks very much, uh, and uh, good luck tomorrow. Thank you so much. We'll speak to everyone soon. Thanks very much. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Tune in next time at halifaxchamber.com slash podcast. The Halifax Chamber is in your corner.